sight to the blind. I believe that the dead came to life. I believe there were wonders and signs, and you're still the same. I believe every word that you said. I believe there are scars in your hands, that your goodness is good without end. What a great reminder 
I love the phrase that says, the Lord is faithful yesterday, now, and always. And I think many of you could stand and testify because that's what you've experienced uh, up to this point in your life. God has been faithful. But just a reminder, no matter what you have heard this week, no matter what you face this coming week or the years to come, that fact, that truth will never change. He is faithful yesterday, now, and always. What a reason to celebrate and worship, and I hope that you do. Uh, worship today with a heart that understands that truth. We want to welcome you to our service today. Uh, what an honor it is to just get to be together and worship Him. And today, if you're visiting with us, thank you for joining us. And uh, we want to encourage you to do a couple things if you're visiting. Uh, one is we'd encourage you to fill out the care card that's in your bulletin. Or if it's easier, you can scan the QR code. It's basically the same information online, just makes it a little bit more convenient. We would love to have a record of your visit to know how we can uh, answer questions, serve you better, but also encourage you to stop by our guest table before you leave and pick up a guest bag that has information there. But before we uh, go into our time of worship, just one quick announcement uh, concerning, well, several announcements for tonight. Just a reminder that there will be no adult Bible study. Uh, the last Sunday night was our last adult study till um, the end of the summer. But tonight is the Awana end-of-year celebration. We want to celebrate and honor the kids for their hard work this year in Awana. And as a part of that, um, tonight at 5 o'clock for all of our children, preschool and children that are involved in Awana, we will meet, and parents, we will meet in Steve Lackey's Sunday School class at 5 o'clock. There will be a brief award ceremony in there that we will present to the children. And then that will be followed by pizza and inflatables over in the gym. And tonight we ask if parents, if you would stay with your kids throughout the night, uh, you're in charge of them, but we are going to have a time of celebration, and you can participate with that. There will be no evening uh, nursery available tonight, and our middle school and high school will be helping with the celebration. So everybody remember that? That means yes. Okay, good. Everybody stand up, take a minute, and welcome your neighbor to the, to the service.
Amen. Thank you. As you're standing there and we come to this time of prayer, Hebrews 13, 15 says this, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying is the same thing Peter shares with us this morning in the sermon I'm about to preach, is that we offer spiritual sacrifices to the Lord. And one of the things that we do when we offer spiritual sacrifices, and one of the ways we can do that is by giving him praise and thanking the Lord. So during this time of prayer, as the choir leads us during this, this time of praise and worship, I'm going I'm to ask you to meet me here at this altar, and let's pray and let's give thanks and praise to how good God is and how he's blessed your life and how he's blessed the life of this church. Thank you. every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just thank God for your salvation? Thank God for the church you were a part of when you got saved, the people that prayed for you, the pastor that preached to you, the person who shared the gospel with you. Thank God for that. Thank God that he sustains us. That from the moment we're saved till the moment he comes back or we meet him in glory. Thank God for his grace in your life and the mercies that are new every morning. If God has answered any prayers in your life this past year, why don't you thank him for it? Thank God for your church. That we can have the fellowship of the saints. Thank God for that. Thank God for your health and for how he's brought healing to your body. And then whatever prayer request you have on your heart, give it to him and thank him for it. Thank him that he can't answer. Yes, no, maybe, wait. We don't know how he's going to answer, but just thank him in advance. Father, we praise you and thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. Father, we thank you for your sovereignty and your power. Father, most of all, we thank you for your presence. Lord, during good days and bad days, you're there. Father, when we struggle with sin, when we don't, you're there. Father, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses all sin, past, present, and future. Thank you, Father, most of all for loving us. Thank you for setting your love on us, and that love will never change. As David said, it's an everlasting love. It's not, it's, your love is not based on my performance. It's not based on my obedience. It's based on your goodness. And we want to thank you and praise you for that. And Lord, help us to be a church that will always share this good news with the lost and dying world, and we'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
seated. And thank you. If you're new here or maybe you haven't been here in a while, each month we try to, um, we try to, oh, I'm sorry, choir singing, never mind. <laughs> Gracious. <laughs> Kevin was pointing at me and I was like, what's wrong with Kevin?
blessing. Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Thank you so much. That would have been a shame if we'd have missed that, wouldn't it? Sorry about that. I just became a grandfather again at 3 a.m. this morning, so pray for me, if you will. All right. Um, each month, we try to uh, put a mission spotlight on one of the mission groups and ministries that we support. And um, I love them all, but one of my favorite is Forgiven Ministries. Scotty Barnes is not a stranger to East Hills of Baptist Church. She's been a member here a lot longer than I have. Before she even started this ministry, Scotty um, has served here in a lot of different capacities. And I've been with Scotty in the prison speaking, Catawba, Caldwell, Wilkes, um, Paducah, Kentucky, which is one of the best blessings of my life. Um, I'm trying to think of where else. Alexander out here, several. And I love this lady. You know, Scotty doesn't have to do this. Okay, she does because God has used her past, God has saved her, and she's using her gifts as a spiritual sacrifice to the Lord. So, Scotty, I love you. At the end of the service, we're going to have a quick business meeting, and then ushers will be at the door. And if you'd like to give to Forgiven Ministries, make the check out the East Hills of Baptist Church. And I'd love for you to give a good offering today for them, okay? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Scotty. All right. I'm glad Jamie made a mistake because I've been watching that watch back there. I know how many minutes I got. I want to take this opportunity to thank my church. I've been here since I'm 76, and I've been here since I was a little baby. In and out, but back here. And I've been here probably as long as about any of you. And when we started Forgiving Ministry in 2000, the first six volunteers, and the men know who they are, were my first volunteers, some of the deacons. You gave the first money ever given to the ministry, and you've continued over the years to faithfully give and support. In fact, you pay for one camp a year. That's what you pay for. And besides that, I know you pray for us. <laughs> and I'd rather have prayer than anything. I really would. So I just wanted to share just a tiny bit about the ministry because you probably don't even know what you support as far as what the work is. So I hope I can share just a minute of it with you. When I left the grave of my father many, many years ago, I remember looking at Jack and I said, Jack, I will never darken a prison again as long as I live. Boy, was that a joke. That's where we go all the time. I hadn't even paid attention to Hebrews 13.3. And you know what? Ten years later, the ministry began. Isn't that something? 
Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and inmates don't lie about this, but boy, in churches, they, the men just don't like to admit this. How many of you men, when you were little, I'll say little, not recently, you took a four-leaf clover or a daisy, and you'd say, she loves me, she loves me not, and if it didn't turn out right, you'd start all over, right? Raise your hand. Let's just be, well, I've got five honest people in this church. Well, that's the way my children of inmates live, always pulling that leaf off, always wondering why my daddy or mama don't love me. Why do they keep going back to prison? Why don't they want to be with me? Why don't they care what I'm about? And I live with these children every day of my life. I was awake during the night, and I said, God, help me to speak somehow that that church will realize what they support tomorrow and the children that I believe in so strongly. Forgiven Ministry believes in reaching, reconciling, restoring relationships between inmates, mother or father, and their children. And we believe if we can reach a child, we may not, Jamie, have to repair an adult. Isn't that wonderful? Because let me tell you, they're out there. I'm not going to read the mission statement to you. It's in the bulletin. Uh, and I appreciate you writing that in there. But this is what we believed. I was writing a grant-type thing this week, and I was putting down how much it costs to house an inmate. And this may not be exactly right, but it was over 50000 a year in North Carolina to house an inmate for one year. How much does it cost to send a kid to college? You see what I'm saying? If we can get these men and women, and especially the children, on the right road and produce them back into society as productive citizens. Look at the economic value of it, if you don't look at the spiritual. Every year I go up to, or I haven't recently because of my health, but we go up to uh, in the mountains, and we bring, they bring in about 80 children of inmates. They're ages 6 to 12. And one time I had a big old chalkboard, and I asked them to write down what brought the most pain in their life. And if you'll look at a child's pain, there's one word on there that they wrote more than any other word. And most people can't guess it, but it's alone, the word alone. How many of you are in this sanctuary today? I don't know how many's here, 400, 300, I don't know how many. How many of you still feel alone? Do you know what I'm saying? These children live alone. They live rejected. They live just wanting somebody to understand them or not be ashamed to tell somebody who they really are. Then, of course, they told me what joy meant, and then they told me what they would like, and I told them Christ had to answer for all of that, and he does. I'll tell you something real funny there. We were up there one night, and we do a bucket of red Kool-Aid water, and then we ask the inmates and the children to come and put in it something they need to ask Jesus to forgive, something hidden in their heart, and they put it in that bucket, and the color just dissolves the writing, and it's just a symbol of God's forgiveness. And I kept hearing these children snigger behind me, and I thought, what in the world's going on? And I heard this little boy say, he's drinking the blood of Jesus, Miss Barnes, and off they ran out the door. So it's a lot of fun serving these children. I want you to meet Amber. Amber's precious. This has been some years ago, but I'll never forget Amber as long as I live. Amber was coming to a camp in western North Carolina. She was four years old. That's her father. And I got a call two weeks before the camp, and they said, Amber won't be attending your program. 
I said, why won't she? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Well, she's just so rowdy. We feel like she'll be too disruptive. And I'm thinking, here I am in a prison of 500 medium and maximum security prison prisoners, officers all over the place, and you can't defend that little girl, me from that little girl? I, I couldn't believe it. So I finally talked them into letting her come, so I said, I'll put three of the greatest counselors with her I've got. So I put three women, awesome women. Lunchtime, here they come. Uh, Miss Barnes, if you don't care, could we uh, get somebody else to take care of Amber? She's just the wildest child we've ever heard. Well, I finally got her somewhere else, and it was a terrible day. <laughs> so about a year later, she's at another prison. They called and said, Amber can't come. We've done her the disruption she caused at the other camp. I said, please give me a chance. She's never met her daddy. She just wants to know her daddy. So if you'll look over in the far right corner, you see him drinking water out of that tea set? I set him down in that gym floor of that prison. I said, you drink every cup she pours, and if you get sick, just keep drinking because you're going to take care of this child today. And let me tell you, at 2 o'clock, she fell asleep in his arms. Never had any trouble out of Amber after that. Latera was in Louisiana. Latera arrived at the camp an hour and a half too early, and if you'll notice, our colors are turquoise for the daddies. And she had on every color, even her little toenails was painted turquoise. And Latera spent all day loving her daddy. It had been three years since he had met her or seen her. Got time to go, and I kept watching Latera. She would not go out the door with her mentors. She would run back to her daddy. Finally, I had to go get her by the hand, Jamie, and tell her she had to leave. She couldn't stay. Three weeks later, I got a call from the prison. Scotty Latera's daddy wants to tell you something. She was killed by a drunk driver last night. He was Muslim during the camp, but he became a Christian, and he has spoken in Texas for me. Isn't that awesome? Would you like to take part in a One Day with God camp? You said the next one's in Wilkesboro, I believe, June 3rd. Please see Scotty. Uh, Renee and I have done that. Of course, I, I get opportunity to speak to the men, typically on that Friday when I'm available. Uh, my dad, growing up, uh, my dad was in prison. Uh, he got to come to my wedding, then eventually died in prison. So I share some of that with, with inmates. So Scotty's ministry is uh, near and dear to my heart. Uh, if you've ever taken part in One Day with God camp where prisoners get to see their children, sometimes it's for the first time, uh, it's life-changing. It is life-changing. It's on a Saturday. So if you'd like to take part in that, please see her after the service. She'll be up here in front. And, uh, but thank you for what you do, Scotty. I really appreciate it, and I love you. If you have your Bibles, stand with me and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at two verses. <clears throat> and these verses are, what these verses talk about, last week we, we, we were kind of in the nursery, where Peter says, like newborn babies, you should desire the milk of God's Word. And we talked about the importance of the Bible. And I would say this, church, uh, going verse by verse, through the Bible is life-changing, or it can be, okay? Going verse by verse through the Bible is what God has commanded, in a sense, pastors to, to do, okay? And, and when, the reason that is is because if we don't go verse by verse, a lot of times we'll skip so many things. Going verse by verse is way harder than doing topical messages, a lot harder. But to me, it helps me grow. And I think if you, if you notice these two um, verses today, it will really challenge you at the end, okay? 
He's talking about God building a church. And he's talking about living stones. And what I would look out here today is I would see locally uh, at East Hillsville Baptist Church, we're living stones, all of us that are saved, okay? And we make up the body of Christ. And then universally, okay, we're living stones that build up God's spiritual house. And notice what Peter says. Coming to him, now notice those three words, look at me. That separates everything. You've either come to him or you have not, okay? Coming to him as, a live, as to a living stone. Peter calls Jesus here the living stone, and then in a little while he calls him the cornerstone. He said, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, now look, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. That's what we are locally. We're a spiritual house locally, all of us. Now notice this. He says this about you. You're a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. And we're going to talk about those spiritual sacrifices acceptable, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you for your word. Father, speak to us and encourage us. And Father, help us to be more like Jesus. Lord, we are living stones. But Lord, he's the ultimate living stone. Jesus is the foundation for our faith. He's the foundation for our church. And he should be the foundation for our service from this day forward. Father, be honored and glorified through the preached word today. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As living stones, now think about this. If you notice in verse 1, all right, Peter says, therefore, we looked at this uh, two weeks ago, or, or last week, as living, therefore lay aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all, all evil speaking. And what he's talking about is this. If you're a living stone, and I'm a living stone, why would you show malice toward me, right? If I'm a living stone, and you're a living stone at East Tales of Baptist Church, why would you deceive me, deceit, right? If I'm a living stone and you're a living stone, why, why would you have to be hypocritical to me? Because I should love you, right? You should be able to come to me and share anything. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. We should serve one another. Peter doesn't understand. I think what he's trying to tell these people that are going through trials is this. If you're a living stone and I'm a living stone, we shouldn't have these kind of issues. Okay? He says, if you're a living stone and I'm a living stone, three things have happened. Number one, we are made alive in Christ. Notice what he says. Coming to him as to a living stone. Look at the words coming to him. In the Greek, what that means is this, that at some point in your life, for me it was on a Tuesday night, that you personally come to Jesus. Look at me. You come to Jesus. You personally, what that means is this. Look at the phrase. Now, Peter, God inspired Peter to write this. In the Greek, it means this, that there was a certain time in my life when I understood who Jesus was, the real Jesus, and I came to him. Mine, it was about 7.25 p.m. I remember, I'll never forget it. Choir wasn't singing. Preacher wasn't preaching. A man just shared the gospel, and I said, yes. And after I prayed to receive Jesus, I remember telling the person from this church, I said, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. Finally, I'm free. Finally. A peace that passes all understanding that the world cannot give you. Why? Because I came to him. It means this. Look at the words coming to him. It's so important. It means that there was a time in my life 
when I just didn't make a decision. All right? I just didn't confess him. That means everything within me came to Jesus. Everything. It's like I said, this is it. This is the truth. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Son of God, and on this day, I give my life to Jesus. It, look at the words coming to him. It's in the tense that means that you come to worship and to stay. See, John tells us later in one of his epistles, he said, the people that went from us left because they were not of us. They looked like living stones. They served at times like living stones, but they weren't living stones. See, coming to him. Jesus all, often gave this, uh, this invitation. He'd say, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, heavy laden and I'll give you rest. That's not just talking about your burdens. That's talking about your life. Coming to him. When was the time that you came to him? If you did, notice this verse. Show this next one, Michael, and then we'll go back. And you he made alive. Are you alive today? You cannot do that yourself. He made you alive. He said, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. See, as a 18-year-old young man, I walked across the stage at Alexander Central High School grabbed my diploma from Joe Young, and I was dead. Dead. Played sports, halfway popular, okay? But on the inside, I was, a I was a dead man walking. No purpose, nothing. You can be here and have the best job in the world, have the best health, love your life, but on the inside, you're dead. None of that stuff will bring life to you. You must come to him. He says, and you, he made alive. There was a point in time where he made you alive. It's a supernatural thing where God made you alive. Has that happened to you? If it has not, I would encourage you to come to him today. To come to him today. I'm not going to get you all emotional. I'm not. I made a decision, a rational decision as a 20-year-old young man that I was coming to Jesus and he made me alive. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Are you alive? Go back to the verse, Michael. He says this, coming to him. Who do we come to? We come to Jesus as a living stone. This is so important. We come to a person, a real historical person who rose from the dead. And two aspects about this stone. This stone is perfect. One scholar says the little word stone in the Greek is a common word for a stone is the usual word for a stone that's used to build a building. It's sometimes also used for a carved precious stone, but it is commonly the word used for a stone used in a building a building. A stone that is chiseled, that is hammered, that is sewn in order that it might fit perfectly in the building of an edifice. He goes on to say, in ancient times, they built buildings by stone. The way they did it was not necessarily with mortar, but simply stones that were so perfectly fit and so heavy that they simply, simply stacked upon each other and were immovable. When men set out to build a building, they would then begin to work on the stones, and they would want the stones to fit perfectly. But the most important stone of all was the cornerstone. 
because the cornerstone set the lines of the building, and it was the perfection of the cornerstone that maintained the perfect symmetry of the rest of the building. The cornerstone was like the plumb line in every direction. It would set the direction for both sides as well as upward, and if any of the angles were off, the building would be off every angle. It had to be absolutely perfect. And all of those angles were set by one massive cornerstone to which all the other stones must agree. Jesus was perfect, so you don't have to be. Jesus was also personal. He is a living stone. He rose from the dead. John says this, eternal life, and this is life. It is in his son, Jesus Christ. Notice it says this living stone can be rejected. Notice that word rejected. What that means is that sometimes men will take Jesus, they will examine Jesus, they'll test Jesus, and they reject Jesus. Think about this. Nothing was so unthinkable to them than that this Jesus could be possibly be the cornerstone of God's kingdom. Talking about the Jews. This foolish man, this poor man, this man who, was literally, who literally scathed them with his denunciations of their religious system, this weak, humble man to them, this man who ultimately went to a cross and died like a prisoner, it was unthinkable to them that he could be the cornerstone. So some people hear the gospel, they measure it up, and they go, don't want it. I respect your honesty. Don't want it. They look at Jesus, and they say, maybe that's for you, that's not for me. He says, coming to him, to a living stone, rejected indeed by men. Most men in Peter's day rejected Jesus. They would hear the gospel and they would reject him. Some of you today, I'll give an invitation. Whether you come forward or not, in your heart, in your mind, you're going to reject Jesus. That's what you're going to do. I did that Sunday after Sunday for a long time. Rejected Jesus. Like the idea, wanted to go to heaven. Nobody wants to go to hell, right? But in my mind, I just could not fathom this thing being true until the Holy Spirit of God got to my heart and then I came to Jesus. So see, when you come to him, you come to a living stone. He rose from the dead. Peter oftentimes said this, men rejected him, but God didn't. Notice he says he's chosen. Peter says he is the stone which you rejected, the builders, but which became the very cornerstone. He goes on to say there is salvation and no other one else but this one. In Acts chapter 5, he says, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you put to death. In Acts chapter 10, Peter preaching, he says, We're witnesses of all the things he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him up on the third day and granted that he should become visible to all. That's Peter's theme. You rejected him, but God affirmed him. When Jesus was baptized, God said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So who is Jesus to you? God's purpose for your life is for you to be alive in Christ. To come to him. The second thing is this. God's purpose is for you to be a part of a spiritual temple. Notice what Peter says. You also, now notice this is talking about you. You as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. What? What God says is that when you come to Jesus, the living stone, then God makes you a living stone. And what that means is he, he expects you to be a part of a local congregation. He expects you to be a part of it. And the way God builds a local congregation is he takes these stones and he makes them perfectly to fit together, right? Which means there are things that you can do that I can't do. My calling is not your calling, amen? Aren't you thankful I didn't lead the choir this morning? 
You better, yeah, Jacob knows. Look, God hadn't made me that way. God's made Sharon that way. He hadn't made me that way. He hadn't chiseled me out that way. He has not done that. I mean, if I tried to play the piano over here, the keyboard, what do you think it would sound like? Is it on? Is it on? It's on? Well, let's see. I'm going to play Amazing Grace, Bev. Let's try this. Not good, is it? Aren't you glad that God hadn't called me to do that? God hadn't made me that way. He just hasn't. Listen, God has made some of you that way. You know, if God has given you the talent and the desire to praise him through song, why would you not be a part of the choir? Because you're a living stone and God has made you that way. That's your purpose in the local church. Some of you can teach. Some of you are just good teachers. You need to teach. You need to. Because God has handcrafted you to do that. How many of you want to be over a ministry that goes into prisons? I tell you, when that door shuts, when those bars clank, you talk about being alone. First time I went to Alexander County Prison, the chaplain said this. When the door shut, I gave them everything on me. All right. He says, I want you to understand, I cannot guarantee your safety. Does he not say that? I said, well, thank you for letting me know that, sir. Thank you. What a blessing it is to be honest and truthful. Listen, look, but some of you are cut out for that. Some of you can love a little child, can they not? Some of you can love a dad who hadn't been loved, who's committed a great offense, maybe. You know why? Because that's how God has made you. Now look at the words, are being built up. That means over time, what God does is makes you into the stone that perfectly fits into the building. Listen, when God saved me, I just wanted to serve. I took notes of everything, even in Sunday school, took notes, okay? I started out, I've shared this with you a lot of times, but I'm going to talk to you about how we're built up over time. I started out as an usher. I would take up money. I knew who gave and who didn't. I'm just kidding. I didn't pay attention to that. We would walk down the aisle, and the preacher at that time would look at the men coming down. There were like six of us. And then if he caught your eye, he'd ask you to pray. I'd always look down. I never wanted him to call on me to pray. I never wanted him to call on me to pray. Never now and then he would. Then I started working in the sound room. You're talking about pressure. There's a lot of pressure there. I went from being an usher to working in the sound room. Then next thing I know, a guy asked me to teach a Sunday school class. Literally had 12 notebook pages of notes, and I was done in five to seven minutes, and they asked me to come back. No lie. They did. Then they needed somebody to take the kids to Carowinds. I took them. The first trip, we had 60 kids. All right, we went. And they said, that's good. I said, is it? They said, yeah. How about doing youth? I said, all right, I guess. I'll do it. Okay. Next thing you know, I'm the Associational Alexander Baptist Association Youth Pastor. Over the whole association. Now, let me tell you my past. Because of my past, God saved me right after I got in some trouble, right? Thank God for that. I remember we... The association uh, director, the moderator, the director of missions, we're on a van, okay? After a big event, he said, this is the first time we've had this many kids. I said, isn't that wonderful? He says, yeah. He drives back to the uh, association office. He said, Jamie, have a good day. I said, oh, no, you're taking me home. He said, really? I said, I don't got a license. He said, what? I said, no, I don't got a license, brother. Don't got them. I don't got them, okay? He said, really? I said, yeah, your guy don't have a license. 
right? So what God did was he took that guy over time, took him to be a part-time student pastor and associate pastor working a full-time job. And then not long after that, I became here as an associate pastor. I was in the Philippines with Dr. Falkenberry, Dixie Falkenberry, doing a medical and mission clinic, okay, basketball as well, preaching to people in the Philippines. And when the plane landed in Charlotte, I was your interim pastor. How crazy is that, Steve? My first Sunday preaching was Easter, the biggest Sunday of the year. By September, I was the full-time pastor of East Hills Baptist Church. You know what happens? God cuts you as a stone, and over time, if you're faithful to him, he'll build you up. And that's how he makes a spiritual house. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you willing to be used by God? Because God has things that only you can do. That only you can do. And a lot of that's only saw in the context of God's spiritual house, which is universal, we know, but also it is very local. The third thing, notice, Peter goes on to say this. We offer up as living stones spiritual sacrifice. He said, you're a holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, which means this. In the Old Testament, you had priests. You had to be born into a certain family. They had certain things that they had to do. Okay, On the Day of Atonement, there was one priest that went into the Holy of Holies. When Jesus rose from the dead and started saving people, he says, you're a priest. Think about that. And instead of offering up bulls and goats and shed blood, you offer up several things. Notice the first thing he says that you offer up. He says, you offer up your body. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you look at the word present. That's a temple term. Look, this is after you're saved. That means that I logically, reasonably, and spiritually give myself to something. It's a presentation that really the night God called me to preach, that's what I did. Not I preach the next day, no, but that's what I did. Look, present your what? Bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Then he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You present your bodies. Look at me, everybody. Young people, look at me and listen to me. Your virginity is an act of worship. It is. It is an act of worship. If, if you're thinking, if you're here and you're younger, and you're thinking, should I do this or not? Present your bodies today to the Lord. Amen? Do it. That is your act of worship. To take that into your marriage bed on your wedding night. You say, well, what if I've messed up? Well, start today. Amen? I'm thankful that God can forgive anything. If you're in a dating relationship and you're older, look at me, adults. Some of you think, well, that's for kids. No, it's not. No, it's not. You present your body as a single person to the Lord. Present it to Him. What I see oftentimes is this. When people, either it's a divorce or whatever happens, you take a grown man who's single. He thinks he's just got to have somebody. Why? Why? Don't you like your Fridays? Don't you like your own money? Amen? Why? i got to have this person. And what will happen is this. If you love Jesus and that person doesn't, male or female, 
you'll compromise your convictions to keep that person. God help us. Paul in Romans 6 says this, Do not give your body as instruments to sin. Do not. Present your body as a living sacrifice. This is huge. God, today I'm presenting my body to you. You can sin with your hands, your mouth, your ears, every part of your body. But if you give it to Jesus, especially in your relationships, God will honor that and bless that. Amen? Notice the second thing he says is this, our words. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. Praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Just thanking God for who he is. Read the Psalms. That's where David would get alone and just praise God for who he is. And we're worshiping through those psalms now. We sing those psalms. Not only praise, but prayer. He says, may my prayer, look at the word, be set before you like incense. That is a priestly function. In the book of Revelation, God says their, their prayers were like filled golden bowls and there were incense to the Lord. So when you pray, it is a spiritual sacrifice. Because you're saying, God, when you say amen to a prayer, you're saying, God, I trust you. I often pray this, God, will you heal them or heal me? But if you don't, but if you don't, I'm still going to trust you. Amen? So let it be, Lord. I like, I like what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. God can deliver us from this fire, but let it be known, O king, if he don't, he's still God. God can heal me of whatever's ailing me, but if he don't, he's still God, is he not? God can bring your mate back, look at me, but if he don't, he's still God. He's still God. Think about that. Do you trust him? That is a spiritual sacrifice. When you pray and you say amen, God, I just trust you. You can do all things, but if you choose not to in my life, your plan is better than mine, even though we don't understand it. That is worship. Look at the next thing real quickly. We're going to hurry our works. Do not forget to do good. If you're going to get a Christian tattoo, get that one. Do not forget to do good and to share for, with such sacrifices. God is well pleased. Do good, people. Speak good. Do good. Be good. Do good things. The Bible says in Acts, when they were preaching about Jesus, they said he went around doing good. Do good deeds for other people. Do good deeds for other people. Typically, it's a small thing. If you can write a card and send it to somebody that's hurting, and you write with your own hands, you realize how, how amazing that is in this day and age to do that? Think about that. You can do that, to do good. Buying a meal for somebody else, you never know what they're going through. We had one of our church members say that he bought somebody's meal at like McDonald's. Probably cost 6 or $7. Well, this is before 2020. Probably cost about $25 now. So anyway, it was a sacrifice for him. But talked about how the person whose meal he bought, he didn't know, that person had a tragic event in their family and reached out to him and said, you do not realize how that good deed blessed my life. Should we not be a church that is known for that? Look, God says when you do good, even if you don't feel like doing good, God is well pleased with that sacrifice. Think about the ministries here that nobody wants to be a part of. Extended session. Okay? <clears throat> That's doing good. It's a sacrifice. You're not in the service. 
It's a sacrifice. God honors that in your life. The little things. Notice the last thing, and this is just as important. Paul says, our witness, for by God's grace, I am a special messenger from Christ, Jesus, you Gentiles, and I bring you the gospel so that I might present you as a living sacrifice, as a living acceptable offering to God, made holy by the Holy Spirit. What Paul is saying is this. When I share the good news with people and they get saved, that is an act of worship to the Lord. When is the last time you shared the good news with anybody? When is the last time? As a young Christian, I used to sit there and write the Romans Road in the back of my Bible. Right here. It was all over it. Just in case. Just in case. Now listen, this is how foolish I was. Just in case I was at Walmart with my Bible and somebody wanted to get saved, I'd say, hold on a second. I still wrote it down anyway, just in case that might happen. Right? Then I started memorizing the Romans Road. Then I started memorizing the eternal life track. I mean, I memorized so many 80s rock songs. I said, I can memorize this. And I did. And when God gave me opportunity, whether it was at work or in the community, I started sharing the gospel. And if anybody said yes, I'd go home and cry. Or literally. Now, if they came to church and got baptized, it, it just, it was, you couldn't put a price on that for me. And what God says is that's a spiritual sacrifice to him. Isn't that a blessing? A spiritual sacrifice to him. But it all starts with coming to Jesus as a living stone, being part of a local church, and allowing God to shape and mold you into the person that he wants you to be, not only in your home, not only at work, but in the context of a local church. I'm going to ask you to stand with me with every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. The Bible tells us if we're Christians to present ourselves, that means, Lord, from this day forward, I will not look back. Father, today I give this to you in my life. Lord, it is an act of worship. God, today I make a commitment to give this to you, to give my life to you, to be used by you. Do that now where you are. It's an act of surrender. It's a no looking back. Have you come to the point in your spiritual life as a Christian where you can say, God, this is what you called me to do, and God, I'm going to do it. I was in a service much like this when I said that. I didn't go down to the altar. I said, Jesus, today I give it to you. If I have to quit my job, I'll quit my job. If I have to move, I'll move, Lord, but I'm giving myself to you today. I'm giving my gifts and talents to you today. Church, do that. Give your body to Him. Give your praise to Him. Give your possessions to Him. And give your witness to Him. And if you're here today and you've never come to Jesus, I would encourage you to surrender your life to Christ today. You can do that where you are. Praying something like this, Jesus, today I come to you and I give my life to you. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead. And today, Jesus, I come to you and I ask you to save me for your honor and for your glory. And friends, if that is you and you've, you've prayed to receive Christ, I'd love to talk with you about that after 
um, this service is over, but I'm gonna pray for us. Sharon's gonna sing a verse and this altar's open to you. Father, we wanna thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. Thank you that you can take our past, whether it's good or bad, and use it for your glory. Father, I pray that there would be people here today who, who have never in their lives come to you, that today they would come to you. Father, I pray that as a church, as living stones, Lord, that we would give ourselves completely to you and surrender and stop looking back. You can do more with our lives than we can. And Lord, use us for your honor and for your glory. It is an act of worship today. In Jesus' name I pray. As Sharon leads us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. just for a moment today is your opportunity as a Christian to surrender to the Lord in whatever area that is just say yes to Jesus today Jesus today I say yes to whatever you're, you ask me to do Lord use my, my personality my talents Lord use whatever it is in my life to be a living stone in this church in this community. And Father, I'll thank you and praise you for it. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You're saying, Jesus, I cannot forgive my sins. Lord, I am guilty. And Lord, if I died today, I would not go to heaven. And Jesus, today I ask you to save me for your honor and for your glory, and Jesus, I love you. And all of God's people said together, amen. Everybody look at me real quick. I want you to sit down. We're going to have a quick business meeting. Ushers are at the door. If you would like to give, make your check out to East Hazel Baptist Church, okay? Do I have a